With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page. We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired a nature show host. In a native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got Geico, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. Geico will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. Geico. Great service, without all the drama. Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't. Welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here today with a real-life human being. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks. Good to be back after a, a bit of a hiatus. Um, sorry, it's not in more uh, joyful circumstances, but lots to consider it's, and, and pontificate Yeah, about. It's not joyous circumstances, but it is also not terrible circumstances. It's, it's, we're on a precipice circumstances in, in, in many different situations. And I think that that's how we're going to theme out the show because I feel like going over the Aston Villa game, going over the Watford game, like, pff, all right, so what? You know, tell, like, th- there's not much new to learn. Um, 
but the 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 theme that I've been going with um, this week is 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 the precipice. Like the precipice number one, we we may have finished eighth, but we do still have a chance of this year getting in the back door to the Europa League, which is equally as exciting as it is depressing. Um, precipice number two is how influential is Mikel Arteta going to be on this summer? Mm. Because there are some big decisions to be made. And precipice number three is do Arsenal want to double down on a bad strategy of transfers and do the same thing with the same results again? Or are we going to indulge in something different because of uh, the the elements that come into play? So I want to talk about what everybody wants to talk about, and that's transfers, because the transfer window is well and truly open. Um, so we can start talking about what we need, who we think's coming in, which rumors we hate, which we love. Does that yeah, sound like a plan? It sounds very good. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back in part two after I've checked the sound. Right, two seconds. <laughs> back and the sound is average to just above average and that is good enough for me um, but talking about average um alex uh, the end of the season was um it was almost it was counterbalanced to land in the middle of average right we yeah we absolutely I mean, dis- being, sorry you're being generous with average i think it was, it was it was pretty bad the last week i don't know i i, I can't I, i'm not sure whether i can quite say Average. We did beat two of the best teams in Europe. Absolutely destroyed them. Dominated possession. Yeah. Hundreds of chances. XG through the roof. Um, but I you know. I, I want. I want to focus um, the the conversation on the last four games of the season because um, we definitely got a little bit carried away with Arteta uh, turning the squad around. It was a new. It was a new, a new dawn. It was a new era. Mm-hmm. Arteta had shaken. The, the the shoddy character out of the squad and yeah. Liverpool and Manchester City, however you want to cut that up, was a testament to that. Where, you know, it's always going to be lucky to beat Liverpool, right? When you're Arsenal, when you're sitting in yeah. mid-table. Um, it's always going to be lucky to beat City. But we had a, a bit of a nightmare game because of a lot of rotation against Liverpool. I think we executed a perfect shithouse strategy against Manchester City. Mm. And, and then for me came the, the real test could you see out the last two games against relegation fodder? And we saw two very distinct performances. We saw uh, the Arsene Wenger dying days performance against Aston Villa, where we absolutely dominated possession, but did next to fuck all with it. And then got sucker punched by a team that had just learned how to to press. And yeah. then uh, against Watford, almost in an exact replay of, of the Watford that we've seen under Unai Emery. Uh, we were absolutely battered by a shit Watford side and we luckily came out with a win. Um, my, my hot take before I hand over the mic to you, that just showed the character of the squad for me. Uh, they, they'll turn up against Liverpool. They'll turn up against Manchester City. But as soon as there's a game that they don't quite fancy uh, or it doesn't have the same sex appeal, you know, like Europa League against, you know, winning the Europa League next season that doesn't really appeal to anyone. They shut off. Um, and we saw two very different shit performances, but they were both shit performances. And now we've got a hope that we win the final game of the season to get through to Europe. So for me, that is the big warning sign that Arteta, if he thinks that he's changed these characters, he is mm. incorrect. 
what's your take on uh, on the on the divergent performances that we saw? Well, Matt, I, I I do agree with you about about the manager as much you know as much of a fan of him as I I am not getting arrogant and sort of getting too ahead of himself thinking he can transform some of these players when um, clearly he can't. And I think especially the Villa game, there was an element of arrogance to his team selection. Uh, I think picking Aubameyang, Lacazette and Enketia up front um, and a, a midfield, I can't remember, was it Xhaka and Ceballos? You know, there was no ball carriers. There was no, there's no one to link midfield to attack. Um, and the idea that we were going to create anything in that game was was for the birds, to be honest. So I, I think I understand he wanted to rest people and rotate people and all that stuff. But I I also think it's important you take momentum into the last two games, especially when you have a cup final. So um, I think he got, I think he did get it wrong there. I think his selection was arrogant. I would slightly challenge uh what you're saying in a, in a, in another instance instance so i actually think since since the restart since we come back from covid i think what arteta's done with a very limited selection of players bearing in mind he's got he's got some injuries Mary's injured martinelli um but he's also trying to fix a culture problem so he's freezing out problem players like ozil and and Gwendouzi. what he's done since restart is actually build quite a successful sort of defensive team that's able to to you know go to play play good teams or go to tough games away from home defend pretty well and get a result and it it hasn't worked every time obviously Brighton the city would I, I would sort of mark those off as, as exceptional because you know it was so soon off the restart and it's just just a bit of a bad day at the office likewise I think you know obviously uh, Mourinho had a, had a, a plan to deal with it. But I think if you look at all those other performances, whether it's Southampton away, Sheffield United, Wolves away, even the Leicester game, and then obviously Man City and to a degree Liverpool, we had a really, really solid defensive formation uh, that was perfect for springing counterattacks. And on the whole, it worked pretty well. But I think what happened in the, the last two games, Villa and Watford, um, both were they home? No, Villa wasn't a home game, was it? it no, was, no, uh, Villa was away. Yeah, but you know, both both games where that's not really an option for Arsenal because we're, to be honest, the better team, um, and we need to dominate possession, and we need to play against a team that's that's going to basically sit back and soak up soak up uh, the pressure from us. What we saw in those two games is we just don't have the personnel to do that at the moment. And I was actually looking back if you remember. So I was thinking about, I remember a couple of Arteta's very first games, two of the sort of standout performances were United, where we beat them 2-0, and Chelsea, uh, we we actually lost 2-1, but we were arguably the better team for most of it. And we the first half, we played Chelsea off the park. And we actually had a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 in those games with Ozil at 10. And I think, you know, him basically having no other option than him at number 10 other than Joe Willett, means we, we just can't, we don't have the personnel to put together uh, an effective attacking team. Um, and that and basically what it means is we looked, ter- <laughs> we looked terrible against Villa and Watford. So I am concerned, there is stuff I am concerned about with Arteta. I think he's, he's probably got ahead of himself on a couple of things. I think he's currently in a, a battle uh, of culture versus performance at the moment. So he's 
he's taking the, the long the, the, what's better for the long term for Arsenal is to reset the culture of the club and that means not always picking the best players uh, that are going to get you the best performance on the day um, so there is a trade off there so it means we, you know our only number 10 or the only person who's effective at number 10 is, is not playing when we need him I would argue that is probably a sacrifice worth making at the moment if it helps to reset the culture and make it better and then to sort of bring it around to a conclusion, I guess, thinking ahead to uh, to the cup final in Chelsea, I think our sort of three at the back formation that's worked so worked pretty well um, since the restart. I think actually will you know is is definitely the right setup for for that game because I think Chelsea, to be honest, are a better team and will dominate possession. Um, so it gives us a chance. I think the the main thing I'm worried about for that game and this is like counterintuitive uh, for you know I never thought I'd say this I think Mustafi being injured is a real problem for us I think he was actually key to that three at the back working pretty well and there, there are obviously exceptions you know Spurs was he had a, he had a mare but he made his sort of his, his mobility was covered for David Luiz's lack of it and I really worry about Luiz and holding even if they've got Kieran Tierney on the other side, so I, well, I, well, I think the the formation we've got should should see us through that game. I'm I'm kind of worried that we we don't have Mustafi, which I never thought I'd ever say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Mustafi. He here's the here's the crazy thing, and and I'm not I'm not quite sure I'm on board with Arteta being arrogant um, in the Aston Villa game. I just think that you've you've got a team that's been shit all season um, and we can't even register a shot I, you know this is Arsenal this is a team that um, that that finished two points off third last season mm. we really should be doing better I mean like I kind of like you don't have a number 10 like do we not have anybody that can at least make shift in that number 10 role um, but we don't the only, who do we have we have Joe Willock and like again it's and he's so he's so like, off the mark, isn't he? It's just not, but, but he's off the mark because it's it's not his game, and like it's 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 pretty tough to expect a guy in his debut season to be performing that role. It's a pretty specialist role, and I, I just don't think it's his game. So, you know, I'm not saying he's like a magnificent magnificent player, or you know, should be forgiven everything. But I I just think that's I I think there there is no there there were no real ball carriers on the pitch in that game. There was, I didn't see where we were going to create anything, to be honest. Isn't it funny? Six, six seven years ago, we were hoarding players in that <laughs> 10 like role. You know, Rasitsky, Kazola, Arshvan, uh, Nazri. And now, but at least they were, they were good. Now we're hoarding center backs and we're going, uh, uh, and yeah. the, the, the absurdity of this season for me, Mustafi is integral. Yeah. Absolutely integral. And, you know, the, the Spurs game, like, like, give it to him. He played, he played almost every minute. He was, you know, he, he, when he gets fatigued, he looks, he, he, he starts turning into Superman, you know, like, yeah. you know, like the, like slogging it all over the pitch, flying into tackles. I'll, I'll forgive him that. But, um, Mustafi is key to our system. Our midfield, which has been kind of non-existent. We're all praising Granite Jacker for being a leader on the pitch. We're praising Danny Ceballos. I, it, 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 there's just a lot of absurdity in it, and, and a team that can't score like Aubameyang is. Mm. 
it's it, 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 it's it's a mad season, but I think the 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 reality is Arteta picked up a squad um, that everybody said was uncoachable and could never learn how to defend. He's taught them to be able to defend. We picked up yeah. some good wins at Sheffield United um, away, Wolves away, Liverpool City. Um, you know, we were, I, I know that Leicester haven't been great towards the end of the season, but that's still a squad for, you know, with a lot of players that we'd cover. So I think the, um, I think that the last two games were just particularly disappointing for me because I thought that mm. that said a lot about our character. I think that, uh, there's a, there's a video doing the rounds. Um, and I noticed when I was watching the game, Granite, Granite Jacker loses the ball. Yeah. Um, he tries to play an offside trap and then he just jogs. And it's like, that's the difference in mentality between a Manchester City and an Arsenal. Manchester City mm. played two teams in the relegation zone and they butcher them when they've yeah. got nothing to play for. And Arsenal, who have a place for Europe to play for, um, we don't show up in either game. And, and, the, and the, you know, the amount of people that, that, that really lack a basic understanding of football that are saying, oh, the players were thinking about the cup final. I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. If you were thinking about the cup final in a proper squad, you'd be thinking yeah. about preserving your place, right? Play, yeah. you know, and, and, and they weren't, and and that was that was disappointing. But so I, I would just say I saw that clip, yeah, and it's, it's frustrating. I just say the thing is, what we know about Xhaka is a pretty limited player. Like he he works well in when he's got three defenders behind him and in, in tight spaces. He's actually pretty puts in pretty pretty decent defensive performances, like against Man City and Liverpool. He was a bit of a monster, you know, closing things down and blocking shots and all that stuff. But as soon as the game's open, he's completely lost. And it's, you know, he's not a, an incredible, he's not Patrick Vieira, you know, covering lots of ground or Gilberto with a real, you know, sense of where he needs to be and all that stuff. But it's, it's just who he is as a player. He's quite limited. So you come back to this problem again, which is not Arteta's, that you've got players who, who they, you know, they can't, they're not very versatile and can't really work in, in, in in different types of systems, so I, I think he's one. Louise is obviously another. You can't play him in, in a two at the back; so he's not quick enough. Mustafi, you probably can't play in a two at the back because he's not sensible enough. So you got this bizarre situation. We've got seven centre backs, but arguably, well, none of them, as far as we know, can play in a two, except maybe Saliba, who's never played for the club. So that that's a recruitment problem. That's not Arteta's problem. The only thing, one other thing, I'd just say. Is like, and this is me being really negative, a negative ninny, uh, if that's the right word for ahead of the final. So I'm also, like I said, I'm worried about Mustafi being out. I'm also worried that if, does, does it feel to you like a bit like last season where we had that, that terrible run in with Emery and he put all his chips on the Europa League, League final? So first of all, he made some ridiculous selections like El Nenny and, uh, was it El Nani and Guendouzi at home to what like the who you know the, the worst possible midfield? Um, mm-hmm. We lost 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 at home to Palace. Then we lost a couple. We lost, completely lost our momentum, lost our confidence. Went to the final with all the pressure on that game, knowing we needed it to get in the Champions League. And I'm not saying Arteta has done that. And I I kind of get why he he tried a four three three against Watford because he's like, well, we need to a more attacking formation even if we don't have those so let's try it but I just 
part of me worries is that we've we've put into pretty lackluster performances and now they're coming up to it and now there is so much pressure on the final it just you know it's going to make it more we've made it more difficult for ourselves it doesn't mean we won't win but yeah well, i i i think that um I, I i've been doing some you know having some chats uh with the people that i have chats with and <laughs> So the, yeah, but the, yeah. The, I, I think the vibe is that Emery was not a good. Emery just wasn't a good coach. He just really wasn't, and it doesn't matter. You know how, how many people want to t- tell me that he was uh, incredible in the Europa League for Arsenal. He was a bad coach. Mm. Bad vibes mm. around the training ground. He wasn't particularly prepared. He wasn't a particularly good analyst, and he was a shit communicator. I yeah. this time around, we've got a much better coach. Um, I think he's more prepared. And I think that he will have a very, very specific game plan. They'll have a, mm. a, a week to practice. Uh, yeah. They'll have, you, you, you'll just have a lot more focus this time. The the players spent more time complaining about going out to Baku too early under Emery yeah. than they did focusing on the game. Like I, I'd, I heard that like very senior players in the yeah. Arsenal squad knew that we'd lose that Europa League final because uh, nobody was in the right head state um, to get into the game. I just don't think you're going to get that um, for the FA Cup final. I think um, Mikel Arteta will have a good game plan. I also think that we we have uh, a bit of muscle memory now, right? Mm. You know, no one expected us to go away and get a win at Wolves. No one really expected us to get anything at Sheffield United. But I think the the Liverpool game shows that we can battle and the Manchester City game which is likely to be a more, you know, closer to, um, I think closer in shape than, than a Liverpool game. We showed that we can execute a game plan and, you know, we can nullify teams. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't think Chelsea have got, um, a forward line as devastating as Manchester City. They could, they could cause us problems, of course, but we, you know, we've had mm. two good games against, you know, I, I know that the Emirates game, you know, we didn't get the, the result that we wanted, but it was certainly a good performance. And then the 2-2 draw when, um, Jacker dropped into central defense. We had a red card as well in that game, didn't we? So we had a red card. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 I would not, a lot of people are completely writing us off, but I, I don't, I don't think Chelsea are as strong as everyone likes to think. And the, the incredible plaudits that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has had, um, and Frank Lampard has had, that they're getting credit for the lowest ever points total to gain direct entry into the Champions League and the Premier League. Like, I'm sorry, mm. Frank Lampard with that squad, um, and those players, Finishing just ten points ahead of Arsenal in our worst ever season, uh, and and, yeah. and we lost we lost games that we really should not have lost. They're like Villa, we shouldn't have lost. Brighton, we shouldn't have lost. Spurs, you know, on another day we're not losing that. And I think if you go into the Emery period, like I don't think picking up ten points on on that side would be that difficult. So Chelsea, for um, for all the excitement in their squad, I still think that we can do something against them, and I think. You know, I, I think at the very least we're gonna give them a tough game versus you know yeah. what we did against Watford. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. I, I think the main thing we have to hope for is David Luiz not to get a red card because that seems to be the 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 thing the thing that could blow it up. And the, the two times we've played them since Arteta's been in, we we haven't really had the chance to see. It's not really. I'm not. It's not been a fair fight. Not in the sense that they they cheated or anything like that. But we were sort of robbed of. 
seeing who was the better team because we had, I think the first game we had that injury to Chambers and it just changed the whole, the whole setup. And then Jorginho should, definitely should have been sent off. And then the second game we had a, yeah, Louise got a red and a pen early, a penalty early on. So it was, we didn't really get to see who was the better team. Can I just say one other thing on Emery? Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite. Did you see that photo of him signing for Villarreal with a, a Bic Biro and it had the lid on? Oh my God. No, I didn't see that photo. He's so sort of clues away. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be very interesting to see what he does uh, at Villarreal because yeah. he, I think maybe in a country where he speaks the language, he's potentially better. I mean, he wasn't bad at Valencia, Valencia, and he wasn't, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I wish him the best, but he was not for us. I, I don't wish him the best. I don't, I don't like him. And I, I think he will not succeed there because I think it's not even a, it's, yeah, the language thing was a problem, but it's just communicating in general. He didn't have clear ideas and he couldn't communicate them very well. And he changed his mind as soon as he felt any pressure. So uh, the only thing I hope he does is maybe sign some of our players. Like maybe, maybe exactly. when Duzi Gwendouzi for 70 million. Sven Mislintat like is in for Mavropanos and uh, Socrates. So I'll, uh, yeah, I, w- I would, I would take that. But I think, yeah. I, and I think the, the biggest shame of the Emery period, you know, a lot of people say that Emery didn't get the players that he wanted. And I would counter that and say Emery got the job because of Canales. And Can- yeah. Canales, made a recommendation to Raul. Raul took that recommendation and then Canella's reward from where I am sitting looked like he signed on Emery and probably got a fee out of that. Who knows? Like allegedly, yeah. you know, I, w- I, w- I would say that it's likely that a, a super agent recommendation ends up in a fee or something down the line. So yeah. Emery got the job out of the blue as a complete favor. And then he got in and he had no power. Because everybody knew that he didn't get the job in a fair fight. So mm. for me, fuck Emery. Um, you know, and the, like, he did not develop the squad. No. You know, what did he, did, did he get rid of Jack Wilshire, Santi Cazorla, Ramsey Aaron Ramsey? Oh. You, you know, like those are, those are names that you should replace. And if you can't see that you need to replace those players, I mean, I, I, I keep on looking back to the, the Nicolas Pepe signing. I think he's the 41st most deadly attacking player in the Premier League this season. And I just, mm. I just, did we, did we really unload that much money on Nicolas Pepe? He's, he's a, he's a 30 million pound player at best. And, you know, even, even if he hits his peak, we're never going to get that money back again. You know? No. That felt like more like rather than an Emery, because I didn't think Emery wanted him, did he? It felt more like a Raul showing, look how clever I can be and get, you know, because to be fair, Pepe was the hottest sort of rated, you know, the hottest prospect in Europe last summer. So signing him did feel like a, you know, a bit of a coup and a bit of a statement for all about, you know, we're still a, a big club and we can sign these kind of players. But yeah, actually what it meant was we probably overpaid for a guy who's good, but not, not 70 million pounds good. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so we've um, we've covered off uh, we've covered off the end of the season. In part three, uh, let's look to the future. And we are back.
back for part three of the precipice episode. And I think that we want to talk about transfers because Arsenal are about to undergo probably the most important transfer window of all time. Um, there is a lot, there is a lot to crack into in this section mm. because, uh, there are rumors bubbling already, like for, like things that we know. Let's just start there. Arsenal don't have money. We really don't have money. And Stan and Josh are not going to put in any money because all of their sports franchises are under immense pressure at the moment. Uh, point two, we know that uh, Raul and Edu are, are, have a lot of scrutiny on them this time around. Uh, the mainstream media has uh, been picking up the the stories that I've been running about uh, Raul and Edu for a while. Um, everybody knows about the super agent ties. And most importantly, maybe you could look past Raul's uh, deals if we were sitting pretty, but we're eighth position now, nowhere near the Champions League. And point three is that we need to actually have a, a target in summer because we need to reshape the entire squad. So I want to, I want to talk about that as well. So why don't we just, uh, why don't we just start this one? Where, like, give me your, your top three priorities this summer. Okay, man. Well, I mean, it's cliche, but we, you know, every good team has a, a good spine and, and the thing we are missing more than anything, uh, is, is a, is a spine. Uh, we've got what seven centre backs uh, who all have question marks about them. Hopefully, Saliba is um, you know is is part of the answer, but it's way too much uh, to expect for him to solve it on his own. So we need a sort of, I mean, a, a generational centre back signing. Maybe that's too ambitious given the money we've got. We need a, a good centre back, um, someone solid, someone that means we could play two at the back with Saliba or Mary. Uh, some of the means we don't, we're not relying on David Luiz, uh, game in, game out, or Kalasanac or um, Mustafi for for the lion's share of our games. So someone who can who can perform that role and argue, uh, yeah, and ideally means we can we can move to a, a back two uh, for the majority of games against sort of smaller teams. After that, um, obviously midfield is the the sort of the critical one. I I would start. I, I think ten or attacking midfield or was eight or whatever you want to call it is is the absolute priority. Someone who can carry the ball uh, and be that link up play between uh, attack and and midfield. Um, that that was Ozil, and it's, it is worth remembering that Ozil was not frozen out. You know, he was effective uh, under Arteta at least initially, and God knows what happens um, over the break. That means he's now being frozen out. Um, but we have didn't to accept that, that pay cut, did he? Do you think that's what it was? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think that he was, um, I, I, I think that it's probably a combination. I think that the, the German speaking players were the, the holdouts and I've no yeah. doubt that he was, no doubt that he was in and amongst that, but I think it's probably maybe a combination of that. And he just uh, reverted to type. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. People don't realize that he doesn't care. So, yeah, I mean, I, I saw someone today on Twitter sort of, Talking about, you know, we we're taking him for granted. It's like no, like he's taking the piss. Like, you know, he's had his he's had enough chances to to redeem himself. This is on on him now. So yeah. Arteta um, is the fourth it, coach to have a problem with him. And if he really cared about the club, 
like he would, he would leave to be honest because he's he's literally holding us back because their wages that we could be spending on players that would actually play and improve the team. Um, but anyway, so I, th- I think, you know, that position, if it's eight or 10, you know, w- whatever, but someone who can, who can carry the ball, who can spot a pass, who can link midfield and attack. And then I think sort of third priority after that would be um, a central midfielder who is, you know, who is, is mobile, like Xhaka with legs or, um, who, who can play a forward pass as well. But we've got, we've got such... Like, I think Ceballos is actually quite an interesting player because I think when he came in, we all thought he was a Ramsey type eight. But he's, he, I don't think he's actually... He doesn't, he's not forward thinking enough in terms of how he plays uh, to actually do that role. And he sort of reinvented himself as a bit of a... He's almost quite similar to Xhaka now. So he's he breaks at play. He's good at sitting back and sort of you know, spraying passes out from a sort of quarterback position. Um, so whether it's him alongside a, you know, a more mobile midfield box to box midfielder who can, who can cover a lot of ground and, and break up play, but also look for passes. Someone like, you know, Thomas party. Um, then I, I would say he's my third priority. And then fourth, if we're going to fourth and fifth, sign some more center backs and get rid of the ones we've got. Cause they're, they're absolutely awful. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I think the, I think I'm, I'm with you. Uh, from what I've read about um, Saliba, he doesn't seem like he, he's not the, he's not the David Luiz spraying the balls from the back. Like mm. he's, he's much more of a, a classic defender. So I think a, a ball playing centre back, and it's ideally like. 27, 28 years old. And it, 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 like, you don't, you don't need to, I don't think you necessarily need to sign a generational center back. Everybody turn mm-hmm. those up, uh, Johnny Evans. Yeah. Um, that's true. But I, I know that Arsenal were looking at Johnny Evans because he had great numbers. He had good experience. He's not fancy. Um, mm-hmm. but, but he'll do, but he, he's done a job for Leicester in the main. And yeah. I think that there are a lot of center backs out there that we could pick up that could, that could do a solid job for us for a few years next to, uh, you know, and, and not make mountains of mistakes. I, I know that there's the added complication of having to find somebody that can, can play the ball because, uh, you know, that, that, that is what David mm. Lewis is good at. I think that we need to, I think that we, the creativity is the absolute must. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that Arsenal have fallen so far that we've got no one that wants to play the ball through the middle. Um, I yeah. love, I love watching, um, uh, Emil Smith Rowe uh, for Huddersfield. I love his power. I love mm. uh, you know his ability to uh, to dribble past people. Like he plays in those pockets that Arteta is talking about. But yeah. you know I'm a little bit worried about his fitness, and I'm also you know going from Huddersfield to uh, he can't be the he's not the answer no, for the entire season. Yeah, but finding um, players with that sort of mobility and that lust for going forward. I mean, I just love yeah. Jack. I, I, lo- I love Jack Grealish so much. Just think he yeah. he is yeah. the absolute ideal that you want in that position, but he's so far out of our price range. But I, I, I feel like there's lots of those sorts of players that can play in those positions that you could pick up from in and around Europe. There might be a bit of bedding in that you mm. need. Um, yeah. And then, I, I, and then I think that we need to, um, you know, a Thomas Partey would be great. Um, but I, I think like prioritizing a, a, a player profile 
You know, I, I don't think that yeah. we've prioritized the player profile since Arsene Wenger in 1998. Yeah. Power, pace, technical ability. And technical ability needs to be intelligence, right? There are some players that have gone through Arsenal in the last five years and you're like, you just lack intelligence Yeah, you know, overall. Yeah. Well, this is also what allegedly what Eddie was doing is, you know, building a, a you know, so the, the signings we have fit the profile of what the club wants to be. I, I don't see... You know, and he talked about this sort of blueprint for the type of player we want. I don't really see how that fits with getting all your signings from Keir Drabjin. Um But you yeah, know, that, that's allegedly what we're doing. It's absurd. Yeah, it's um, like Arsenal should just step in. You know, I, I, I said on the podcast the other day, I think Tim Lewis coming in as oversight on some of those deals is really important. And I think there'll be a lot more scrutiny on who we pay this summer, how we pay them and the mm. sorts of prices we're playing. But I still think Raul will get away with bringing in someone like William. And it's like, William on a three-year deal. If Chelsea won't give William a three-year deal, what does that yeah. tell you? It tells you that maybe a club that's a lot smarter than us with um, transfers might be onto something, but we continue to make these stupid mistakes. And mm. people, you know, keep on saying, well, you know, William's a quality player. Like, I agree that William is a quality player, but what, where is he in two years' time? He's mm. sitting on the bench, barely giving you a performance. He doesn't give a fuck because he's thinking about where his next deal is coming from. And he'll stay and fight for his place. I just don't understand in a deflated market why you'd give anybody a 180 grand a week contract. I think it's absurd. Well, you've, you've got the proof point right now, right? With Socrates. Yeah. Who's staying and fighting for his place that doesn't exist. I mean, you know, the guy, is, he's a good guy and I think he would play if he could, but he's, he's not part of the plans and he should move on, but he won't because he's not going to get a better deal anywhere else. Yeah. Let, um, and, and, and there, there are plenty of players that... Uh, also, Arsenal's wage bill needs to come down. It's £236 million a year and we're nowhere near the Champions League. Like We should be shaving £50 million off that this summer and... We are not going to get back to the top by signing William and Coutinho. It's just, I, and I understand why Arteta might be indulging those sorts of signings because he wants to get back to the top as quick as possible. And, mm. it, you know, he doesn't want to have to coach players for three years. I would, oh, yeah. I, 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 I think that that's unfair. I don't think he wants to coach an entire squad for three years because that doesn't get him to where he wants to go quick enough. But I think he'd be foolish to look. Uh, these these Kia gifts as anything other than uh, you know favors to Kia and I, I, I like I, I, I think that Edu and Raul should start doing their job properly like outsourcing transfers to agents. I mean, the, the Athletics said the other day that they've had one scouting meeting at Barcelona in a year. Look at the duds that they've signed: Dembele, yeah. Dud, Griezmann. How did you expect Griezmann to fit into a Barcelona system with Messi still there? Um, yeah, yeah. 140 million for Coutinho. It's nuts. So he, here's my question. Well, a couple. Well, well, whatever, you know, you think of it. He's he's obviously an ambitious guy. Um, presumably, he's obviously pretty smart. He must know that he, you know, that approach hasn't worked. And doing it again is going to probably put his position in some jeopardy because it's not, you know, if it doesn't work again, finances get worse, especially if we, we lose and we don't, we're not in the Europa League next season. Surely he, 
you know, he it just for his own self-preservation, he's not seriously entertaining a, just a you know an agent-led approach to to the summer. Um, the second thing I was going to ask, so ponder that, and then answer in a second. The second thing I was going to say, given the desperate need for a, a number ten, given we have no money to buy one, and a good number ten will cost you know upwards of forty million, would you? take Coutinho on loan as a stopgap? Uh, so on the first question on, you know, Raul needing uh, performance this summer, look, he's he's been driving performance for super agents. He, that's where he's been driving performance. Like every, almost every single deal that he's touched that didn't come from uh, Missland's hat is driven, it looks to be uh, through his friends. Like if you look at the, the setup at Lille, it mm. is so murky, you know. They, they you know, a, a guy who wanted to set up a super agency that bought players over from America gave up that idea because FIFA made third-party players um, illegal, and mm. he bought a club because he harvests he harvests players through these yeah. clubs. So we don't get Zaha, and then we spend seventy-two million on Nicolas Pepe. Right, Mendes is reportedly involved. The the, the uh, like his old work colleague is is mm. is is at that club. Like this summer, they're doing the same, but with Napoli. They've just mm. I think Napoli are about to sign Oshiman for fifty two million. Where did Napoli mm. in a in a in a massive financial crisis get that sort of money to harvest through a club? It's just it's it's just nuts. And I think. The people like Raul are thinking two jobs ahead and yeah. he's putting into these networks and he's working with a, with a group of people that will help him find his next job. You know, Mendes mm. has the power to put him in to another club. Kia might have the power to put him into another club. I don't think he cares about Arsenal because if he did care about Arsenal under this sort of pressure from the press, there is no way that he would go anywhere near William. If he cared about Arsenal, he'd just look at, okay, what what have our last batch of signings of a certain age done for Arsenal? Mm. Nothing. So I just think he's at the point now where he doesn't, doesn't give a fuck. Um, but where, where would he go? That's, I mean, he's, you know, regardless of where we are, we're still a pretty big club and a big prospect and being, you know, having his role at Arsenal is, is pretty appealing. I can't. I can't see where else he would want to think he could go. That would be a, a better opportunity. Yeah, I, I. I have no idea. I mean, he might want to go to Lille. Might want to go to France. Have a quieter mm. life. Move out of London. You know, he's done Barcelona. Go to France. I yeah. mean, like the, the football is not uh, like. But football owners are not elite sport thinkers. Like Raul yeah. has a has a great resume. If it doesn't really work out that well, I guarantee you he'll get another job. But here, here's the thing about Raul. He's not that good. He is mm. he's not elite. He's not top of his game. You know, yeah. this, this Ra- Raul went hell for leather with Unai Emery. I'm a fucking blogger. And I looked at <laughs> I looked at the fundamentals of what Arsenal needed at the time. And then I looked at Unai Emery and I read about 25 articles on him. And uh, what did I establish? That he uh, failed in France and he was widely mocked for his French accent. 
um, and his in his lack of understanding of the language. He went to Russia and he also failed to come to grips with the language uh, and was fired after six months. Um, so we needed a good communicator, right, to help people to the next phase. He couldn't do that. He couldn't build a defense. Um, he was he was perceived as boring. He was a he, like senior players thought him a walkover. Mm. But Raul goes out and signs him. Like that, that, that is uh that that is not the the an elite decision from an elite well, thinker. That's an amateur. He didn't, decision. he didn't just sign him. He he backed him and kept wanting to give him a new contract at the end, <laughs> at the end of uh, what was a pretty lousy season. Exactly. Season. We we we've, yeah. we've got um. He he came in and he said that he would stop players going into the final eighteen months of his deal. Um, he really hasn't managed to do that. Uh, after having a contract, you know, contract issues with Koscielny last summer, he mm. went out and his solution was David Luiz, uh, despite knowing for three months um, what was going on, and he mm. reportedly blew twenty four million on him in, in t- on, a, on a single season. So this this isn't an elite thinker. This is not somebody that knows what he's doing. He doesn't know how to build a super club going forward. And I, I honestly think that I, I still think we're a, I might be a way off of ground zero. I hope I'm wrong, but I just I, I, yeah. I think that Raul is a chancer. Um, you know, this is a guy that that just did deals for Barcelona. Was given a script. Would go out mm. to Brazil, do the do the dog's body work that nobody wanted to do, and. He, he got Barcelona into all sorts of trouble with some of the deals that he was doing. He was at the heart of the Neymar deal, you know. Mm. And now and now and now he's leaning. Now his chief scout is Kia, who was responsible for the Mascarano and Tevez deals. Yeah. You know, QPR fans widely cite him as the reason that they went down, and they're not back in the Premier League. So I, I, I don't. So I think two sides. Firstly, I don't think he cares because I think he's well connected enough to pick up the exact same job in a fancier country and yeah. secondly even if he was really focused i just don't think he's capable um and i, I think there's the same with um edu i don't hear great things uh, about edu i have absolutely no confidence in his ability to um, get the players that we want or set up a, a backroom system um that mm. we need i think he's just he's just he's raul's bag man yeah well, okay. Well, now you've depressed me. <laughs> yeah. So, what I, would what would what would you think about Coutinho on loan? Would I think, think we can I, do something better. Look, I, I think I think that it's um, my uh, I don't know. I, I I think when you sign really really expensive players, my philosophy as a rank amateur that has never signed a single football player in my life, my philosophy would be that you should probably invest, make your big bets on players that are on the up in their careers, mm. yeah. right? If, 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 if you are going to spend £250,000 a week and a rumored 27 million euro loan fee, you have to know that it's guaranteed performances that come off the back of it, mm. right? Like that's a, that's a staggering amount of money. 250000 a week, I would say, would get you five top young players in Europe. Yeah. And if you get a one in five hit rate on one of those being the next big thing, and and then the you know you'll get resale value out of all those players. I just I, I I'm not sure that Coutinho is the is the real deal. I think that like signing a player with that much baggage, with that much expense, and from the same agent that has caused you heartbreak 
for the last mm. two years. It's just a bad idea. So I, I, look, I think he's, I think he's a fantastic player. I think he did brilliant stuff for Liverpool, but I, I just, I just think that we're just making the same mistake where we're like, if we sign this player, they might be able to just drag us into the top four, but then you mm. get into the top four and what do you have? Coutinho goes back to Barcelona and then you've got nothing. Like why not build so that when you get to the Champions League, you can actually compete and get better. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's fair. I, I remember not being that excited by Coutinho when he was at Liverpool. I, I thought he was a guy who scored great goals and was great on the, the sort of highlight reel, but he wasn't sort of integral to that team. And I think it was, you know, demonstrated by the fact that when, you know, he wasn't, he, they'd gone to another level without him. And the fact he's not really landed at Barcelona sort of also tells you something. So I think he, he would obviously be better than what we've got at the moment. Um, and probably better than Ozil in his current state. But yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, the, we do, what you what people want to see from the... I was thinking about the stuff we used to say when, you know, to talk about Wenger, and it's like, I have no... We have no right to expect Arsenal to win every game, but we just wanted us to be competitive. And I think one thing Arteta has done is that he's at least made us more competitive, um, which is sort of the bare minimum. So we're not getting you know we're not getting rolled over five nil in games or six nil or you know some of those ridiculous scores you used to see and I think in terms of transfers now what people are crying out for what people would love to see is like some real savviness and ingenuity and rather than talking about up Meccano and party why why aren't we signing the next version of those guys so you know the guy the, where Salzburg or Leipzig or Dortmund are looking, why aren't we in those markets as well, rather than relying on agents to get us guys, yeah, like you said, guys are in their 30s. So I think that's what everyone, you know, there's never been a more opportune time to do it. Like we literally have to do it now. So why not do that? Why not scout the championship for the next sort of Lewis Dunk or Jack Grealish or whoever to see if they can make the step up? Um, and they won't all come good, but you're right. If you're getting players on that upward trajectory, then you've at least got, you know, they will at least have some sell-on value and that the cost to the club won't be as, as big as having a, you know, a Coutinho or a Williams sitting there for three years on £250,000 a week when we can't sell him. I, th- so, I think that you nailed it on the head there with the, uh, what fans are crying out for is some coherence and intelligence. You know, because, because that, like, the, the thing with, um, Raul and, you know, whatever the last three years, like, the, for every good player that they bring in, there's a terrible one that makes no mm. sense and is expensive and drags us down. You know, like, if, if we were signing, you know, Martinelli like players. Yeah. And, um, that Kieran Tierney like players. You know, Kieran Tierney's perfect example. Like he played three seasons or no, probably four seasons at Celtic. He'd won the league there. He fit the athleticism profile mm. and we brought him in. And the risk that we took is can he adapt his game to the Premier League? And yeah. immediately he came in and fans were like, look, even if this doesn't work out, I fucking love the attitude of the player. Brilliant signing. And then... Uh, then we signed David Luiz and it's like this this guy has yeah. been problematic for years he's you know he's let down Brazil he's let down Chelsea he's let down every team that he's played for 
Um, and he doesn't have the pace. It was a clearly terrible signing. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, so- Socrates, like, what was that all about? But it, that, that was a Sven one, wasn't it? That was a Sven one. And then, uh, uh, especially, uh, you know, Sionchu uh, yeah. went to Leicester for about, you know, similar sort of money. But, you know, that uh, Socrates doesn't make sense to me. A lick signer doesn't really make sense to me. But like, a Mkhitaryan. A, a, yeah, a Mkhitaryan. But then you've got players like Torreira. Like, I don't mind that Torreira hasn't worked out because at least you could see the sense. You were like, yeah. all right, we took a chance. It didn't work out. But at the very, at the very worst with Torreira, we will be able to swap him for another player or we will be yeah. able to get our money back. But uh, the Socrates, you know, we had to give away Mkhitaryan for free. Like it, 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 it there's just not, um, I, I don't think we should be signing players over 28 years old right now. I, I, yeah. I really don't. I think that we should get back to basics. And, I, you know, Thomas Partey's 27. He'll be 27 by the time, you know, if we did sign him. Like, that's the, that's the you know, that's the tap out. Because mm. after 27, two seasons, and they're not, you can't really sell them. Yeah. So I think, I, I love that, you know, that the Salzburg, you know, the, the Salzburg model is right. Like, you just, you look at, they sell a player, and then there's another one coming right up behind. And they're yeah. all powerful, technically gifted, intelligent, uh, and athletic. And it's just a constant churn because they look, you know, they're, they're raiding countries like Ghana and, and Mali and Zambia or wherever, you know, they've got well, the, Eastern Europe as well. And, and they, you know, a lot of, yeah. I got a lot of Hungarian players in, in the network over there. Now they've set up a club in Brazil. So it's, um, it's just, you know, we should be looking where the value is. And at the moment, yeah. We don't like, I, I just think that the Nicholas Pepe, as much as I was excited and we were all excited, but who doesn't get excited by that? You know, yeah. when, when, when you're, when you're living in a council house and your wife brings you back a Rolex watch, of course you're going to be excited about that Rolex watch, but then you can't mm. eat for the next six months. And I, <laughs> and I, I think that, I think that that's the, I think that that's what we've got now. Like, okay, Nicholas Pepe is great. Now we're paying for him. For the next 15 years, he's yeah. probably got no resale value because we're going to take a loss on him in a deflated yeah. market. So I, I, just, I think that you're right. You, like some, some coherence, some value, um, and, uh, and exciting young players that can do devastating things on the pitch. Because I think if you put players with a high ceiling into Arteta's setup, I think yeah. that he will make these players better. And I think that, you know, we've got a good coach now. We've got some brilliant young players coming through. Let's, let's mm. bulk out that squad with people that can do the job and the reliable. Yeah. What, okay. What, one of the things I was going to ask, what do you think? So there's rumors today that Arteta is keen to get, bring in another wide player. And there's some rumors. Uh, we've been linked to um, a young guy in Portugal called Jolson. I think. Yeah. Why do you think that is an area we're thinking about? It, it feels like that's probably where we're strongest uh, in terms of players on the, on the wing. If you think Saka, Martinelli, Pepe, Aubameyang, uh, Reese Nelson, I could, my only thought might be that we're looking to sell Lacazette and move Aubameyang to the middle, and so bring bring in a more experienced left wing left winger. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the Jolson thing, and I just wonder whether that's um, that's Kia. 
Um, mm. or, or like I, I look at the Jolson thing and I'm wondering, he's either trying to get a, a bigger contract for his client. And this is the thing about Kia that makes me so sick. He's now in such a powerful position with Arsenal. The threat of Arsenal helps him make money either way. He either gets a bigger, mm. he gets a bigger cut of his 10% or yeah. he moves him to Arsenal and he gets a cut. And this is the problem. Or I'm looking at this Jolson kid as a Kia redemption thing. You know, like a lot of Arsenal fans are like, well, you know, if we sign a couple of duffers from him, maybe he'll give us a good young kid. And this is the young kid. And I yeah. think that that is an obscene way to do business. And mm. it's, it's completely bankrupt morally on every level. But I, I, I I think that there's a couple of things of why we might be trying to um, hire him because I looked at it and I was like, well, Martinelli's coming back into that position. I think that Lacazette will go in the summer. I think that he'll be used yeah. as a make weight. Um, and I think that, you know, after the, the back end of this season, maybe he'll get some attention like Juventus are looking at him. Yeah. I, I also, you know, like this, this might be a mad one, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we, tried to find a deal for Nicolas Pepe. Really? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I, I and I, I, I'm pretty certain that Arsenal were going to, you know, I, on steam, I said it a few, uh, I said it months back that Arsenal would potentially try and sign, uh, like release, uh, Reese Nelson. But I think the, I think that he'll probably go. And I, I would suspect mm. we'll probably get quite a good fee for him. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think that there's, gonna, I think that there's going to be big changes this summer. I mean, like, uh, and one one thing that I will say in defense of Raul um, and his ways is that mm. if there is ever a summer for wheeler dealers, it's this <laughs> one, right? Yeah. And do you know what else? It's worth remembering, again, to his credit, we only had £45 million to spend last year. And we ended up signing, you know, the, the most expensive player in Arsenal's history, Plus, you know, Martinelli, Martinelli, Saliba, Tierney, Tierney, and we broke even. We landed on forty-five million. So he's got a way of, of you know, sort of sticking within his budget and, and working out. He, but he on the on, people keep on forgetting. He didn't take that money out of last season. They yeah, borrowed. True. They like his smart deal was to borrow money from this summer on the assumption would get into the Champions League, mm. and he blew seventy two million on a player that wasn't worth seventy two million, and mm. <laughs> then there was a pandemic, and now nobody in our whole entire squad is worth what they were. So, but <laughs> but, but this but this is like the 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 not the, the non depressing thing is mm. it, we do we do have a, a group of players that will get swap deals. I mean, um, I think a lot of players will want to stay in the UK. I think yeah. there's some brilliant players have gone down to the, to the, to the championship. Um, I think the, you know, Zaha, he was worth 75 million last summer. What are they going to get for him this year? He skulked his way through the season. I think Pepe's got better stats than him, but could, yeah. we, could we do a swap deal for them? You know, they want a center back. Can we swap Rob Holding and give them 20 million? Can we swap Rob Holding and give them Reese Nelson? I don't know, but I feel like there's, yeah. there's, you know, there will never be a moment in time where players are more insecure about their futures because who knows what round two of the pandemic is going to do. And clubs have never been this fucked collectively in history. Yeah. 
right? Everybody's losing 15% of their revenue. So I think people will do deals. I think players will look for long-term security. And I think that gives us um, options because we've certainly got players that have only got one or two years left on their deal. You know, you wouldn't have got a good, you wouldn't have got a good transfer fee for Lacazette because of where his deal's at, but you could swap him and barter with him and then, you know, no transfer fee either way. And I think that you could probably do something with him. That's interesting. Okay, final final question for me. What do, and it's the perennial one. What do you think is going to happen with Ozil? Do you think he's just going to ride out for another year, or we can offload him uh, somewhere? I I don't think there is any way that we can hold on to him next season. He's too. He's his mere presence is too mm. disruptive, and I, I I think that you've only got to look at what they did with uh, Mkhitaryan. Um, they just they just cancelled his contract and then yeah. he got a free transfer and uh, Arsenal got rid of 180 grand a week of the, of the wage bill. And mm. I don't, I don't know if we can do that with Mesut because Mesut's got what, earns 18 million a year. So mm. I, I don't, I, and he's making such a fuss, but I, I like, I think we'll have to come to a deal and we either pay him over years, but I, I don't think they can let him back into the training ground next season. Yeah, like, no, I, I what do you what, like? What do you what do you think? No, I agree. I just think the the objective now has to be to get him out of the club. Uh, so I think it's just a, it's you know whether it's his fault or not, it's just become symptomatic or emblematic of of the problems and the, and the lack of or the, the weak culture at Arsenal. So I think the longer he stays and picks up a paycheck, the the, the worse it is for the fans and for the club and for the other players. So yeah by any means necessary really get him out the door um, and if you can do it in a way that can free up wages you know for the players next season uh, absolutely but I think you're I think you're right more generally just thinking about all the, the players the funny thing is we were going through a list of you know who you would who you would want to who you need to sell immediately and I think that is players like Ozil Socrates Genduzi um Kalasanac and others and then you've got you know the the guys in the middle so people you you know you'd sell for the right right price was like Lacazette uh Reece Nelson Joe Willock and all that and but then when you actually get to the players you would definitely keep there's about five it's, it's not that many it's, which I don't it's limited man it's really limited yeah yeah I've got and, a question for you yeah go on what would you do what, what what do you do with Aubameyang this summer? Uh, I, th- I think I think we need to keep him. I think he's I think he's too important for the the team on the pitch um, in terms of his contribution um, and the fact that he's you know he is a leader and a, a sort of focal point for the team um, and 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 I think off the pitch as well it's a it's a statement to other players that. You, you will come to Arsenal and play with top players and he's still a top player. And th- there is the, you know, none of these things are black and white. So there's always a risk that he gets that contract and he doesn't as it and puts his feet up. But I would say that's a sort of the, the risk of losing him and not replacing his goals is, is greater than that. So I, I think, well, you know, if we, if it's getting to 250 grand a week and he's on 180 or 200, I think just, pull the trigger and do it and find a way to, you know, this is, this is where Raul and Vinay earn their money, you know, find a way to free up the wages to do that. And again, if you could get Ozil off the books, you can more than cover that. 
What about you? Oh, no, I go back, I go back and forth. I mean, his goals are important. I think his attitude has been fantastic considering mm. the absolute dross he's been playing with. But I just wonder if 50 million, if 50 million pounds came in and you could replace him with a Timo Werner like striker, um, mm. or just find, or where, or could you find value? Or like if you could, if you could use that 50 million I'm, I'm really hiring some quality. I, cause I just, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I do wonder about the Thierry. Remember the Thierry effect? Do yeah, you remember yeah. him? And then, but the problem with that comparison is that we had Robin Van Persie and Adebayor. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like it, it, like it really was completely different. And I don't, I, I the jury's still out on Eddie. Um, you, you've got, you've, you're going to, it's going to take two, three seasons for Martinelli to really find his stride. And yeah. outside that, you just don't have goals. Um, but yeah. I, I do, I do worry that we are so, so dependent on him. And I just wonder if you could get, um, some good money in and you could, you know, reinforce that midfield w- with goal scorers and, you know, take a chance on, you know, the Celtic guy, Edward or however so you pronounce I'll- it. <laughs> Edward. 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 So the only thing I'd say on that is I think first of all you're right. I don't you know like, I like Eddie Fetia, but he's he's a, a poacher. A, like he's a you know, he's a a, a guy who leads pressing from the front, but he's a poacher. He's never gonna be, you know, a thirty or a, I doubt he's ever gonna be a thirty goal a season striker, which is fine, you know, he's he's does a good job for us. Um and he he didn't cost anything. I think the other big difference is that season with Henri, it wasn't just that he was scoring a lot. He was literally the, our best playmaker and, you know, our free kick take. He did everything and everything went through him and players would just give him the ball and hope that he would do something. Whereas I think uh, Aubameyang's never been that because he's not really as, he's not as good on the ball. So I think he's, he's a very, you know, intelligent player in terms of getting him in the right positions to score goals, which in, in itself is worth millions, you know, um, and, and very hard to replace. But I don't think everything goes, sort of flows through him in the same way that it does with Omri. I'm not saying that's almost contradicts what the, my previous point, but I, I basically think we should keep him. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. And, uh, and I think the you know, Jamie Vardy is leading the way in the sense that fitness is different than it yeah. was 10 years ago. Uh, uh, you know, when did Thierry stop being relevant? Maybe 32, 33. So you, yeah. and then that was quite a long time ago. And now I, I, I think the, I think the, the, the strength and conditioning and the nutrition and, the, you know, the sports science behind the scenes is so good now that you could probably, you probably still got a deadly player even at 34. Mm. I mean, we've only got to look at Ibrahimovic doing things in Milan still. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we've we've covered a lot today. It's a big podcast. Um, yeah, quickly, before you go, give me some predictions for the FA Cup final. What are you thinking? Oh, so I knew you were going to ask that. Well, I've been really down on it. So I'm going to throw caution to the wind and say, I think we're going to win, uh, let's say, 3-2, and it'll be a scrappy game. Oh, I love that. I think we're going to win 2-1. Okay. That's why I'm going to so nice, nice positive way to end the pod. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, it was great having you back. It was nice to speak to someone on the podcast again, apart from myself. Um, can I just say, by the way, 
the, the reason there was such a long gap for me coming on is that last time I, I came on, the first thing I did after you, um, you, you sort of tweeted out the podcast link, I had a look, look at the, um, your tweet and the first comment underneath it was just someone saying, I prefer Matt. And I was like, Oh God, so I've really tried to up my game in, in this one. So hopefully to that person, this is more interesting. Yeah. I will say though, you were badly hung over on the last one. Was I? <laughs> I yeah, you. I, I think you had. I think you had a, your first big night out. Oh yeah. So okay, well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I think that this one's been. I think. I think we've had a strong one. If the person okay. who listens to this can um, just give us a little update, um, yeah. because we have uh, five stars as well. Five stars on the pod as well, um, because I need that. Um, okay, Alex. Uh, well, I will speak to you soon. Thanks for joining the podcast, and uh, yeah, shout for now. Sure. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page. We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.